From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up. We must end this uncivil war that pits red against blue. That was President Joe Biden yesterday at his inaugural speech. We'll uh, talk about it a little later with Terry Jeffrey, editor-in-chief of CNSNews.com. And uh, only one day down, he's working on his second day. And the first day alone, 17 executive orders signed into law by Joe Biden. More to come. We'll talk about that with Congressman James Comer of Kentucky in just a moment. Also ahead of the radical transgender push coming from the Biden administration, a second federal court has ruled in favor of doctors and hospitals saying the government cannot force doctors and religious hospitals to violate their faith and their medical judgment. We'll talk about it with Luke Goodrich, senior counsel at Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, who argued the case. All right, if you got worked up yesterday during my conversation with Joe Pol- Joy Pullman about how the Biden administration is going to use the public school system to advance their radical transgender policy, Well, then buckle up. Today, Stanley Kurtz, senior fellow for ethics and public policy, is here with alarming information about ultra-woke mandates in Illinois that threaten to spread to classrooms across the country. That's coming up later here on Washington Watch. The website, TonyPerkins.com. If you miss anything, it's all archived right there, TonyPerkins.com. All right, let me encourage you to text the word STAND to 67742 if you want to stay in touch with us. Some of you listen uh, by podcast, social media. We're going to make sure if we get if your uh, avenue is cut off, we're going to find you another way to listen to Washington Watch. So text the word stand to six, seven, seven, four, two. And by the way, mark your calendars. Many of you watch Pray Vote Stand every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern. Well, Pray Vote Stand is going to have a live town hall meeting on February the 3rd at 8 p.m. Eastern time. More details to come on how you can participate. This will be a live town hall meeting, national meeting, where you can uh, get your questions answered about how do we as Christians move forward in the present environment. So make sure you stay connected. Text the word STAND to 67742, and we'll be sending out more information about that Pray Vote Stand live town hall meeting on February the 3rd. All right. President uh, Joe Biden yesterday alone issued 17 executive orders, and he's been wearing out the pen again today. Those man, those uh, orders ranging from mandating masks to changing the 2020 census to canceling the Keystone Pipeline. And unfortunately, he's just getting started. Joining me now to help us break all of this down and what we can expect from the Biden administration is Congressman James Comer. He represents the 1st Congressional District of Kentucky, and he also serves as the ranking member on the House Oversight Committee. Congressman, welcome back to the program. It's great to be back. So what do we know thus far on these executive orders? I think you've spoken out. I've seen some of the statements that you've put out. You're concerned about its impact upon small businesses and upon the economy. You know, sadly, it looks like we've gone from an America first agenda to America last agenda. Because when you talk about what we need to get our economy going, uh, we need jobs. And when he does things like cancels the Keystone Pipeline, that costs good-paying jobs. It also helps put us further behind our goal of being energy independent. Uh, He talks about joining the Paris Climate Accords. That is something that everyone knows puts us further behind China in trying to – 
establish manufacturing superiority. And Biden talks about unity, but he does all these executive orders. He doesn't have any conversations with leaders in the Republican Party. He doesn't have any conversations with leaders in businesses who are drastically affected by these executive orders. And, you know, the media is going to continue to give him a free pass and talk about how wonderful and diverse his cabinet is. But but as a member of Congress, as a conservative, as someone who's pro-business, as someone who really wants to see the economy recover, uh, I think we've started off in the very wrong direction. Well, let's look at some of these 17 just that, that we have from yesterday, more coming today. Uh, one that's very concerning is the the census, uh, the 2020 census in which that was conducted. He now wants to go back and change the way it was done in terms of um, illegal immigrants that are here in the country. Right. wants to count them because that's going to benefit Democrats when it comes to redrawing these lines and based upon population and money again. I mean, how, how can you go back and do that post-census? Well, the president was very clear, and I think the Republicans were very clear, and the majority of Americans were very clear. We don't feel like people who are in the United States illegally should be counted towards congressional reapportionment. And if you think about that, California has an estimated 2.2 million illegals living in California. That is three congressional districts. So if you didn't count the illegals for congressional reapportionment, that would be three less congressional seats that the state of California would have. Obviously, that's three, elect- three more electoral votes for any Democrat running for governor. So it's, it's not right to reward states like California who completely ignore our immigration laws, who have sanctuary cities, who use taxpayer dollars to welcome illegals into their state. And that gives them more electoral college votes with what Joe Biden did yesterday by by executive order. It's something that the Republicans on the House Oversight Committee have been adamantly against for for over a year now. Because, for instance, uh, those three seats in California uh, also um, say they take away from a uh, a conservative red state. That 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 is uh, congressional seats. That is uh, votes for speaker. Those types of things can determine who controls the Congress, whether it's Republican or Democratic controlled. Exactly. Nancy Pelosi won speaker's race by four votes. There are three right there in California, three votes that if you refigured the census based on legal citizens, then that would have been you know, the difference possibly in, in Nancy Pelosi being elected speaker. And when you look at the states that are affected, because California has these three extra congressional seats, you're going to see states like Alabama and West Virginia that are good conservative states, Bible Belt states, that are going to lose congressional seats. So right. they're being punished because they abide by our immigration laws. But states like California that completely disregard them are going to be rewarded. So will he be successful in doing that this uh, this late in the game after the census has already been taken? I fear he will, because the census director, Dillingham, the one that uh, President Trump appointed, he, he resigned this week. And, you know, like, unfortunately, a lot of the Trump administration, they've kind of folded, folded up and 
headed out. And it's it's very unfortunate because the last thing that those of us from Congress want to see are the the blue liberal states that are completely turning their nose to the Constitution, completely doing things on a daily basis to attract illegals into this country. Uh, they get rewarded with this sense of congressional reapportionment, and we get punished. It's just not fair. Yeah, I would think that that could be open to litigation. Some of the states could, uh, because this affects the states, the funding, their representation in Congress, and maybe some of the states could uh, engage in some legal activity here to possibly challenge that executive order. A couple of other things involving national security, abolishing the uh, the ban on those traveling from countries that are known for terrorism. Uh, he's uh, reversed that order by President Trump, also halted construction on the border wall that uh, keeps our southern border safe but one of the one of the last ones he did last night late last night was uh this issue of banning so-called banning discrimination against lgbt employees this actually amends the civil rights act or basically tells federal agencies contractors that as it pertains to the civil rights act of 1964 you have to treat uh, sexual orientation and gender identity uh, as if it were under the term sex. It's, it's just a win for political correctness and a, and a loss for common sense, a loss for national security, a loss for uh, Christian liberty. And I, I don't know what else to say other than elections have consequences. They sure and do. We, we knew that Biden was going to was going to speak out of one side of his mouth about unity and the other side he was going to enact every executive order that the radical liberal left wanted and that's unfortunately what he's done in, in his first two days at office yeah I, I when i think when they talk about unity it's a unity if you conform to their policy objectives and ideology that's the only way you get unity i i want to uh, congressman comer i want to i want to switch gears for just a moment because as the ranking member on the uh, House Oversight Committee, uh, you uh, you sent a letter recently to the uh, the chairwoman of the committee because she uh, it was a really extraordinary action she took in writing a letter to the the president uh, and CEO of Hyatt Hotels, basically saying uh, you need to look at who's staying in your hotels and and check out to see whether they're you know conservative insurrectionist. We don't want them in Washington D.C. Uh, it, it appears that the Democratic Party are trying to turn business owners into snoopers uh, for the left. That's exactly what they're trying to do. And if Republicans try to do that, they might call that racial profiling. And it's just very unfortunate that the Democrats continue to lead assault, lead a full-on assault on the private sector. It's not the private sector's responsibility to police their customers to determine whether they are politically correct or not, whether they uh, believe in the Democrat ideology of political correctness. And that's what the Democrats in Congress and Chairwoman Maloney have clearly tried to do with this letter. Uh, it opens these businesses up to even more liability. We've tried as Republicans to pass liability protection for businesses because of COVID. Uh, they've been adamantly opposed to that because the trial attorneys don't want that. And now they're going to further expose these big businesses and employers to more liability. It's very disappointing. So how do they expect the business owners to determine 
the motives of people staying in their hotels. I mean, I don't know how, how do they do that? Right. Typical knee-jerk reaction by the Democrats. They, uh, they, don't, they don't own businesses. They've never made payrolls. They don't understand the struggles that everyday small business owners, large business owners go through. Uh, and if they did, they wouldn't pass more regulations all the time and do things to, to hinder the, the private sector. Because the biggest issue for Republican and Democrat voters is always the economy and trying to get the economy reopened after COVID. But it's hard when you've got Democrat leaders in Congress that do things to private business, like what Maloney's doing, and asking them to police their customers to, to determine what their intent is on staying in their hotels. It makes no sense. It doesn't, but it's, uh, it does make sense if you, uh, if you look at government as the big brother. Um, right. And I, I'm afraid that may be exactly where we are. Congressman uh, James Comer, thanks so much for, uh, for joining us today and for speaking out on a number of these issues. Good to talk with you. Always good to talk to you. Thanks. All right, coming up next, uh, Joe Biden making his inaugural speech yesterday. Actually, I have to say, I you know, on the text, the actual speech was actually pretty good. Um, but is it more than words? We're going to talk about it with uh, Terry Jeffrey, editor-in-chief of CNS News, next here on Washington Watch. Stay tuned. Don't go away. Much more Washington Watch to come. Hey, Matt. Hey, Hannah. What's going on? Why so gloomy? Well, I'm a little disappointed. I had a lot planned to do during the stay-at-home time, and I just didn't do it. Oh, yeah? What did you have planned that you didn't get to do? Well, I was actually hoping I would finally be able to get time to do a regular Bible reading routine, and I started a couple of times. I just didn't stick with it. Don't be too down on yourself. Starting a new routine can be hard, but one way to help is to join in with others and to have a good game plan. I think I have a good solution for you. Oh, yeah? Tony Perkins and FRC are doing a two-year study in the Word. They have it all mapped out. When did they start? I I would be so far behind. Oh, that's not a problem. You can literally jump in any time. There's a daily reading just a couple of chapters a day with questions to help you think about what you're reading. Nice. Where can I find this? Go to frc.org slash Bible, and you can get started. Where's that again? frc.org slash Bible. Got it. Checking it out now. In a recent poll, it was revealed that only 6% of Americans hold a biblical worldview. This research also indicated that Christianity's teachings on abortion, marriage, and homosexuality are not only misunderstood, but seen as dangerous and subversive. In response to this trend, Family Research Council has released a new set of resources in our Biblical Worldview series. In addition to our full publications, which cover the topics of Christian political engagement, abortion, religious liberty, and human sexuality, FRC now offers helpful summaries of each publication in this series, as well as accompanying prayer guides to help you and your family pray through these important issues. And finally, our popular biblical principles for political engagement is now available in Spanish. All these resources are free and available at frc.org worldview. Again, that's frc.org worldview. Masculinity in America has never been under attack the way it is today. 
We've reached the point where the term itself is considered toxic or offensive to many. The consistent message in our nation is that masculinity by nature is bad and is the root cause of many of the problems plaguing our society. From his experience as a military combat officer and ordained minister of the gospel, Lieutenant General William Boykin has seen and dealt with firsthand the breakdown of leadership in our nation by the lack of godly men living lives of biblical purpose. In his latest book, Man to Man, Rediscovering Masculinity in a Challenging World, he addresses the essential elements of manhood as a provider, an instructor, a defender, a battle buddy, and a chaplain and explains how to personally develop these traits and pass them to the next generation. Get your copy today of Man to Man, wherever books are sold. This is Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. To stay connected, text the word STAND to 67742. That's 67742, the word STAND. That way, no matter what happens, you'll stay connected with us. Right, yesterday, Joe Biden became the 46th president of the United States, made his inaugural address to a uh, mass crowd that uh, was social distancing on the steps of the Capitol. Actually, I thought it was a pretty good speech uh, from a from a, just the text and the rhetoric. Question is, will do, do, do the words mean the same thing to him as they mean to us? That I don't know. Um, but, here, but here's a here's a clip, uh, one aspect of what he had to say. Today, on this January day, my whole soul is in this: bringing America together, uniting our people, uniting our nation. And I ask every American to join me in this cause. Uniting to fight the foes we face, anger, resentment and hatred, extremism, lawlessness, violence, disease, joblessness and hopelessness. Joining me now to talk more about this, Terry Jeffrey, editor-in-chief of CNSNews.com. Terry, welcome back to the program. Hey, Tony. Thanks for having me on. All right. What do you think of uh, Mr. Biden's speech? Well, first of all, I agree with you. I thought on on the level of rhetoric, I thought it was a pretty good speech. I thought it was well written. I thought Biden tried to strike a high tone and have this very nice rhetoric. Ironic, and, and, you know, he was a man of dignity and calling for national unity and all that. Ironically, though, I think that uh, Joe Biden is is launching already. He went right out of that speech and started launching a presidency that's going uh, in exactly the opposite direction. I'll say specifically and particularly something that was ironic in his high-tone speech is that he cited both Martin Luther King and St. Augustine. And if you go back and you look at Martin Luther King's letter from the Birmingham jail, which I personally think is one of the greatest political documents written by any American in the 20th century, Martin Luther King cited St. Augustine. He also cited St. Thomas Aquinas. And specifically what Martin Luther King said was that a just law is a law that comports with the natural law or the law of God, and an unjust law is one that doesn't, and that we have a duty to obey unjust laws, but we also have a duty to oppose unjust laws. And and Martin Luther King set a brilliant example in peacefully resisting and opposing unjust laws, and for doing it, he was thrown in jail in Birmingham, among other places. But... 
when we look at Joe Biden and we look at that principle that Martin Luther King was so brilliant and eloquent in expressing, is Joe Biden advancing just or unjust laws? What is he what is he calling for? He's calling for codification of Roe v. Wade and creating a federal law declaring a right to abortion. In other words, a right to deliberately kill an innocent unborn child. That's not just. That's unjust and evil. He's also calling for reimposing the Obamacare contraception mandate as it stood before the Supreme Court's Hobby Lobby decision. That's saying that the federal government can order people to buy health insurance plans that cover abortion-inducing drugs and devices, and that uh, family-owned businesses have to purchase them, and insurance companies have to provide them. That is an act against the freedom of conscience on the most profound level. And, and, And thirdly, uh, after he went back from that to the White House from that inauguration address, Joe Biden signed an executive order that effectively is going to force uh, public schools around the country, grammar schools, high schools, and colleges, to allow men who claim they're girls to play on the girls' sports teams and to use the girls' locker rooms and to use the girls' restrooms, which is, of course, turning the whole moral order upside down. So it's very ironic he's quoting Martin Luther King and St. Augustine when he's acting completely opposite and contrary to the principles that Martin Luther King and St. Augustine stood for. Well, in to pursue unity, which I think is a, is something we should pursue. It is a noble cause for us as a nation to be unified. In fact, um, it's essential for us to succeed, but you have to have a foundation for unity. And I think the only way we can be unified is on truth. And when you are denying people fundamental freedoms, like religious freedom, with these executive orders and other policies that they're pushing. For instance, as you talk about the, the these, this radical gender uh, policy uh, the, uh, that they're pushing on employers, contractors with the federal government, there's no, they're ignoring the exemptions for religious organizations. Yeah, and, you know, Tony, when you look back at it, our founding, and the, the people who founded our country, they have their faults, and they pursued some policies that were not good, some that were even evil. But the principle that they united Americans around when we declared independence was that all men are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, including life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And, and that principle united the American people. We, and, and, yes, throughout our history, we, always, we haven't always lived up to that principle. But that is the principle that ought to unite us. And it can unite people across religious uh, communities and even people who don't necessarily have a specific religion. But I think when you turn your back on that principle and you pursue policies like Joe Biden intends to pursue that clearly cannot be justified by that principle, you're not going to unite the American people. You're basically going to continue a culture war that we've been fighting in this country now for decades, unfortunately. Uh, Terry, Jeffrey, one last uh, point. Uh, Washington Post announcing that they're retiring their fact checker. Uh, you know, they, they had a, a file fact checking Donald Trump. Not going to do the same thing for Joe Biden. Double standard? <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. So we're going to have to do it, Tony. Joe Biden definitely needs fact checking. And uh, it's pretty obvious the Washington Post doesn't want to do it. All right. Terry, Jeffrey, as always, great to uh, great to talk with you. Thanks for joining us today on Washington Watch. Thank you very much. A, a great source, folks, for you is uh, CNS News. I, I get a lot of uh, emails and questions. Hey, Tony, where do you get your news? CNS News is a good source uh, for you to. It's private source, private funded uh, by donors, just like Washington Watch, and uh, they come at it from a conservative 
um, what I would say, a, a Christian worldview perspective. And so it's a good source for you and, uh, and others that are out there. Look, in this age of the cable news and this woke world, you, you can't trust any of the cable news networks that are out there. I mentioned before OAN, good source. Uh, watch Newsmax uh, as well. So you're just going to have to, you're not going to be able to do the one-stop shopping for news anymore. Washington Watch, obviously, a part of that, but we don't cover everything. So, um, but tell your friends about uh, Washington Watch and have them tune in. Or download the Stand Firm app, and they can listen via the app. All right, coming up next, uh, another court victory for private hospitals and doctors. We're going to talk about it next with Beckett Fund. Don't go away. The history of religious persecution in China is extensive, and many are not aware of the current oppression of religious groups taking place there. China restricts religious practice and oppresses religious minorities on a sweeping scale. This religious persecution targets those of every faith. Christians, Muslims, Tibetan Buddhists, and Falun Gong practitioners are all victims of the Chinese Communist Party's efforts to suppress any set beliefs that might compete with the party's ideology. This campaign against religion has had and continues to have devastating consequences for those who simply wish to live according to their conscience. Family Research Council's recently updated publication addresses China's consistent abuses of human rights and explains why they cannot be treated like any other country. Learn more about this issue by visiting frc.org slash China. Oh, man. What's wrong? I just missed Washington Watch with Tony Perkins, and our congressman was going to be on the show today. Oh, that's not a big deal. What do you mean? Well, you can always catch the replay of the day's show. How's that? With the Stand Firm app. Yeah? Yep, you can catch that day's program and so much more. You can contact your elected officials on campaigns and policies that are important to you with the Take Action tab. You can listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins live and play previous episodes while conveniently going about your day. You can access the Washington Update, informative blogs, tweets, and critical campaigns on the main feed so you can stay up to date on local and national news. Wow, I'd definitely use that. How do you find the app? Just visit frc.org slash app and download or search Stand Firm in the App Store. Okay, that's Stand Firm. Yep, Stand Firm. How do you know all this? Because I'm a SageCon, but that's another story. Huh? Welcome back. I'm Tony Perkins. This is Washington Watch, the website TonyPerkins.com. All right, a federal court in North Dakota has blocked a mandate forcing doctors to perform controversial gender transition procedures. Now, this is the second court to do so. The transgender mandates serve the purpose of forcing religious hospitals and professionals to perform these procedures that not only violated their religious principles, their moral conscience, but their medical expertise. We're talking about procedures that were not medically needed, actually mutilating the bodies of young people. Joining me now to talk about this is senior counsel 
at Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, uh, Luke Goodrich. Luke, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Tony. Uh, Luke, I, I would imagine uh, you guys at Beckett are pretty excited about this uh, since you handled the case before the court and you've got a victory for religious freedom here. Yes, this is a great ruling. Our, our clients are Catholic doctors and hospitals who provide top-notch medical care to everyone, uh, including transgender individuals, and they do everything from cancer to the common cold. Uh, but during the Obama administration, the government passed this mandate saying that if you won't perform gender transition procedures, and these are you know, things like cross-sex hormones or you know, surgeries that that remove perfectly healthy organs, and that if you won't do this, you're, you're liable for discrimination and can face millions of dollars in penalties. And so and we represented these Catholic doctors in hospitals and said, hey, we're happy to care for everyone, but we don't want to do these procedures that can actually be harmful to our patients. And a federal court ruled in our favor and said it would be illegal for the government to force doctors to do these procedures. Now, will this be challenged? Will this be appealed, the uh, the ruling here? I expect an appeal will be likely. Uh, unfortunately, during the uh, presidential campaign, uh, the Biden administration uh, promised that it was going to try to enforce the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, in this way and force doctors to do these gender transition procedures and to eliminate religious freedom protections for these doctors. So you know, I, I would hope they don't appeal, but I'm, I'm sorry that I expect that they probably will. So, Luke, if it is appealed, and there's an, as I mentioned, I think the other case was in uh, Texas, if I'm not mistaken, um, if this ends up being appealed to the Supreme Court and you get a similar outcome, that then could actually box in the Biden administration on their ability to force doctors to violate their religious beliefs, could it not? That's absolutely right. Even uh, the ruling we got just recently is is a really important protection, not only for the Catholic doctors and hospitals who are our clients, but it's a it's a powerful word from a federal court telling the government, you got to back off. You cannot force these doctors and hospitals to perform these highly controversial procedures in violation not only of their religious beliefs, but of their professional and expert medical judgment. It's it's interesting, Luke, that uh, you know in the in the coming months and years, when we're looking at some pretty hostile policies toward faith, that the courts may may be a place of refuge uh, for religious freedom, given the uh, the impact the Trump administration had on appointing constitutionalists to the courts. That's exactly right. We face some very serious threats these days to religious freedom. But we at Beckett have been very encouraged by really a string of victories over the years. I mean, we represented uh, Hobby Lobby and Little Sisters of the Poor at the Supreme Court and got some great victories there. And we've really experienced a lot of victories in the federal courts. So while it's, while it's unfortunate that you know, some administrations are willing to put in place these policies that pose such a threat to religious freedom, uh, we can expect good results when people of faith are willing to stand up for their rights, stand up for what they believe in, and ask the courts to do the right thing. And in many cases, the courts are going to do just that.
Right. That's the key. Having people willing to stand up and face the uh, the opposition and the hostility that often comes with doing so. But fortunately, they have great folks like you and others over at Beckett Fund uh, defending them in court. So, Luke, thanks so much for joining us today. Congratulations on a job well done. Thank you, Tony. And thanks for having me. Absolutely. Luke uh, Goodrich over at Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty. It, it, I, I want to underscore what he said you know, we still have a constitution and we still have very robust protections for religious liberty. And we now have on the courts, that's it's huge, what the last administration, the Trump administration, was able to do in getting constitutionalists onto the courts. If I'm not mistaken, the judge in this case was actually a uh, Trump appointee. So you've got to have the, the, the people that are willing to stand up, and you've got organizations like Beckett, First Liberty, um, ADF, that are willing to come alongside a case like this and and take it and argue it in court. And when we win, everybody wins. And this, uh, you know, if it goes to the Supreme Court, great. And if they win, super, because then it will box in the Biden administration and their attacks on religious freedom. But you got to be like Paul. You know, Paul said, hey, you can't treat, I'm a Roman citizen. I'm going to exercise my rights. And he appealed to Rome. So we've got to use our rights. That's the way we do it, not what they did a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Those folks, they're just denying reality. We've got to work within the law to change the law and uphold the law because we're a nation ruled by law. All right, coming up next, ultra-political wokeness in Illinois. In the classrooms there in the Department of Education, and it threatens to spread to classrooms across the nation. Stanley Kurtz, a senior fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center, is here with the details. Don't go away. You're going to want to hear this next on Washington Watch. Get a trusted perspective on the news of the day every day. Listen to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins to get honest and in-depth commentary on what's going on in our nation's capital and around the world. Join Family Research Council President Tony Perkins live every weekday on over 800 radio stations across the country. Or listen to the show when it works for you by visiting TonyPerkins.com. On the show, you'll hear from guests like Ben Carson, Senator Josh Hawley, Representative Vicki Hartzler, Molly Hemingway, Pastor Jack Hibbs, Dana Lash, Sissy Graham Lynch, Pastor John MacArthur, Eric Metaxas, Albert Moeller, and more. Tony is joined by leading political figures, pastors, and policy and culture experts who will inspire you to be engaged and informed on the important issues facing America. For a Christian perspective on the news of the day, tune in to Washington Watch with Tony Perkins at TonyPerkins.com. Ever since the Supreme Court handed down its infamous Roe v. Wade decision in 1973 that legalized abortion nationwide, a national debate has raged over whether the government should fund abortion. In 1976, Congress banned taxpayer funding of abortion and Medicaid by passing the Hyde Amendment. Several states have followed suit, passing their own restrictions on abortion funding. However, Because government funding is a complex system of joint federal and state programs, completely banning taxpayer funding for abortions and abortion businesses like Planned Parenthood is challenging. 
there is still much work to be done to free the American taxpayer from funding the horrific practice of abortion. Family Research Council's new publication clearly explains the Hyde Amendment and why we need to keep it in order to save taxpayers from being forced to fund abortion. Access this important information by visiting frc.org slash Hyde. What's on your daily or weekly reading list? Are you looking for honest and informative commentary from fellow believers on the current issues facing our culture? Family Research Council has just the thing. Check out FRC's blog at frcblog.com. The content on our blog is written by our policy experts as well as outside contributors. On our blog, you can read about a wide variety of topics, including religious liberty, life, marriage, family, sexuality, public policy, and the culture. Read up on some of our latest titles like Four Disturbing Trends in Religious Freedom Worldwide, Legitimizing Looting Jeopardizes Liberty for All, The Media Still Doesn't Get It, Conservatives Tend to Vote Conservative, and more. At Family Research Council, our mission is to advance faith, family, and freedom in the culture by helping you live out your faith and to stand for truth. Our blog is here to help you do that. Stay informed and get the resources you need at frcblog.com. This is Washington Watch. Thanks so much for listening. To stay connected, text the word STAND to 67742. That's 67742. You never know when social media is going to knock somebody off a platform, take down the app. Uh, so stay connected, because if that happens, we will alert you. 67742, text the word STAND. Fortunately, we're on uh, about 800 Christian stations across the country, and they're going to have a hard time taking us off of there. We hope to expand that. Pray for us, stand with us, and make sure you invite your friends to listen in to Washington Watch every afternoon. And for now, they can download the Stand Firm app if they're not within range of a radio station that carries the program. All right, if you live in the state of Illinois, critical race theory is coming to a school near you. Now, of course, local universities are already inundated with the ideology, but the neo-Marxist ideal, the Marxist ideals are now headed to the K-12 public school system. This means kids will be forced to think more about their identity and their education. It also, amazing, I mean, they are, we talked about this last summer here. We did a couple uh, program specials on education, and we looked at what happened under the Obama administration where they began to radicalize public education, and basically were teaching and training activists. Now, it really was, it was kind of done under the cover of darkness. It was kind of a byproduct. Now, it appears to be the focus This is incredible. You need to know what is happening in public education. Here to tell us more about what's happening in Illinois and very soon in a classroom near you, Stanley Kurtz, Senior Fellow at the Ethics and Public Policy Center. Stanley, welcome to the program. Tony, thanks so much for having me. Um, I I, I read your article. By the way, we've got a link to this, folks, at uh, TonyPerkins.com where you can read it. Uh, Tell us what's happening in Illinois, in the classrooms. Well, Tony, everything you said is right. Um, Literally and legally, 
Illinois is about to turn its entire K-12 system into a leftist indoctrination camp. And as you say, we know that the schools have been trending this way for some time. But now the state of Illinois um, has written education standards uh, for K-12. And teachers either conform to these standards or they will lose their licenses. So this really forces direct political um, uh, bias onto the schools. And let me tell you in more detail what I mean. These new standards force teachers to teach from a progressive perspective. This is literally written into the standards. They, 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 they use that to, language. They use that language. A teacher will uh, teach from a progressive perspective. They have to be uh, willing to endorse the idea that America is a systemically racist country. Uh, crucially for Christians, they have to be willing to affirm the gender identities of any of their students and to affirm the very idea that gender is complex and fluid, meaning there are many more than two gender identities. Uh, they have to be willing to lead their students in political uh, leftist political protests and lobbying. They are encouraged not demanded, but it's encouraged that they consider grading their students not on their performance, on ordinary knowledge, but on their social justice activism and on um, their willingness to do what's called action civics, which is just another name for social justice activism. And if you don't do all of these things, then while it isn't mandated, the new standards make it very easy for any district that would want to to force a teacher into therapy to help them uh, eliminate their whiteness. And that's the gist of it, if that's right. not enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I mean, it's, your, your article is, I think, about five or six page long, uh, pages long, so it covers quite a bit of, of, of information. But the, I, I want to, for a moment, on this action civics, I mean, what, what happened to education where we're teaching reading and writing and, uh, you know, arithmetic. Um, now we're teaching them how to be radical left activists. That's what we send our children to school and what we give our tax dollars over to. That's right, Tony. And it's very important that your listeners um, understand that this action civics is something very new because what what is happening and what is going to happen increasingly under the Biden administration is that you're going to hear a lot of proposals at the state and federal level to encourage the teaching of civics. Now, when traditionalists or conservatives hear that kind of talk, their heart melts and they say, oh, yes, that's what we need, the three branches of government and federalism and the Constitution, by all means, increase requirements to teach civics. But what they don't realize is that what's actually going to be in those requirements are requirements for action civics, which means that students will be required to have projects, quote unquote, that involve protests and lobbying. And of course, nine times out of ten or more, it's for a leftist um, proposal. So conservatives are about in danger of being fooled into supporting something that will move in exactly the opposite direction of what they want. So when you hear a proposal to increase civics, you better look into it more carefully. So this, um, this action civics, as you said, it uh, requires student 
engagement in protest or lobbying. And this is organized by the teachers. So the teachers have to lead the students in these efforts? Well, supposedly, if you talk to a defender of this, they will say, no, the teacher's not leading the students. They just find out what the students want to do, and then they tell them how to do that. So they say, you know, well, what, do you, what issues do you really care about? And everyone raises their hand and says, oh, ecology. And then the discussion gets led in the direction maybe of the Green New Deal. And all of a sudden, the whole class uh, is signed up for protesting in favor of the Green New Deal. And the teacher said all I did was to help them to do what they believed in to begin with. But, of course, the teacher led them into it. And even if the students did uh, favor that general uh, direction, the job of a teacher is to help them learn both sides and to question their initial and relatively uninformed ideas and not to lead them on demonstrations. You know, I kind of see this, bear with me in the analogy, um, but during the presidential campaign, uh, Joe Biden started talking about, well, you know, we need to codify Roe v. Wade into law. And people say, well, we already have that. I mean, that's that's what the court decided. But it's an acknowledgement that it is not the law. It is simply what has been done through the heavy hand of the court. What they're doing here, this this actually, this the, the schools have been used to indoctrinate children for years, but this actually codifies it into policy and, and the governance of these schools, and this will be what education is going forward. Well, you're absolutely right, Tony. It's a great analogy, and uh, the analogy works very well for the following reasons. You might say to yourself, well, why do they need to codify this kind of uh, uh, left-wing education when they're doing it anyway? But the, but the point is there are some conservative states and conservative school districts where they're not doing it this way. So by codifying it in law, what you're really doing is crushing any resistance on the part of conservatives who don't want to teach in this leftist way. Similarly, if they codify Roe v. Wade, then they're going to prevent states that don't want to go in that direction from breaking away from that. So it actually is very meaningful to codify it legally, even if the general trend is already in that direction. All right, uh, Stanley Kurtz, I I know you didn't write this article just to get my blood pressure up uh, (laughs) and to to sound the alarm, but there's a reason to, to sound the alarm that it is early enough people can take action to expose this and to stop it. What can parents and others that are concerned about what is happening in the classrooms of America do? Well, the first thing is, as far as Illinois in particular goes, if you live in Illinois, well, the school board has, the state school board has approved this, but it has to be finally approved by a committee of the General Assembly of the state legislature, and that approval is scheduled for February 16th. If you go to the article that I wrote and that uh, you've put up on your website, you'll see a link there that takes you someplace that shows you how to um, contact people in the legislature. And you might want to, in addition to contacting that committee, if you're in Illinois, you should probably contact your own state representative. Nationally speaking, Tony, this battle is going to keep playing out. Uh, By the way, I'll be writing more about it. There are groups that are planning right now, within the next uh, month or six weeks, to make proposals for civics laws in the state and nationally. And keep an eye out for that. If they want, they can follow my writing at National Review Online, and I'll try to 
show people what the bogus uh, civics proposals are. And I think you might see in the coming months some proposals bubbling up in the states to try to stop this kind of politicization. And if and when that happens, I'll be touting it and people can support that. But this really is a cutting edge um, issue. This really is a moment when we're seeing uh, critical race theory and this kind of radical neo-Marxist stuff being pushed by the left and the Democrats have come in. So this is really something that's about to happen and our pushback against it is in process. So people need to just follow this issue and be aware of the fact. Don't just let your heart melt with joy when you hear the word civics. Your antenna should go up and you should be very careful. All right, Stanley Kurtz, uh, we will be uh, staying in touch with you as you get more information. We'll have you back on uh, to talk about it. Meantime, your article is at TonyPerkins.com. And if you live in Illinois in particular, folks, I encourage you to go to the website and uh, get Stanley's article. Stanley, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Tony. All right, Stanley Kurtz. Um, <laughs> right, here we go again. Folks, <clears throat> what they're doing is they are programming these uh, these children. Now, we've talked about this. Some of you may not recall the conversations we've had, uh, but I've had George Barna on the program talking about worldviews and the development of a worldview. As we, you know, we're now in a country where about, I think we're down about 6% of the adult population having a biblical worldview. Now, as believers, what is, what's, a, what's a worldview? A worldview is how we see the world. We, we process it's kind of like the Windows operating system. It's running in the background, and when something pops up, it kind of processes. It's, it's, a, it's the way we process the events around us. And by having a biblical worldview, we're taking those events and we're looking at them through the lenses of Scripture. For instance, when you know, we talk about gender and, and that we were talking about earlier. Well, Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 Jesus refers back to, to creation and says, have you not read from the beginning that God created them male and female? Well, see, that's a biblical worldview would say, well, the word of God says that we have male and female. Now, I understand that we have, there's some anomalies, all right, but they're not to the extent that we are talking about today. You can choose your own gender. It doesn't work that way. Um, that's just one example. That's one that obviously gets a lot of people all upset. But the, uh, for, for instance, you, you look at the, the issue of uh, climate change. Now, I, I don't disagree that it's not happening, but what's the underlying uh, issue? You know, some say, well, we just got to get rid of the suburbans. We got to stop uh, the, the, the carbon footprint. We got to shrink the carbon footprint. Well, you know, Scripture would cause us to think, first off, when we see all these climatic or these uh, crisis, uh, climate crisis events, uh, that is that is what's is God's hand in that? Is that a sense of, of, of judgment? I mean, that's what Scripture says uh, that God uses those things to get our attention. Or is it the moral climate we need to be addressing? So that that's a part of it. But here's my point: a biblical worldview, a worldview, is developed between the ages of 18 months and 13 years. That's when we're shipping these kids off to school. Many. And they're being programmed with this, in this case, this anti-American, anti-biblical uh, propaganda, this wokeness that, you know, causes parents to say, what, what happened? Where'd my kids go? I, I lost them. Well, this is why they're being indoctrinated with a 
ideology that runs counter to what most Christian parents want their children to to hold, the, the, the views, the values that they are trying to pass on to them. And you have to be intentional about this. So you, you, I really encourage you, uh, if you're not a part of our Bible reading program, it's a great way as a family to uh, even talk about current events. As you read the Bible, you begin to see how it, it, it applies. If you want more information about that, frc.org slash Bible. Uh, but consider the educational options for your children. I'm telling you, the public education system, even in some good states, even in some conservative areas, are becoming a, a battleground for the minds, the hearts, and the souls of our children. And as we talked about yesterday, we can't just complain about it on Facebook. We need to take positive action. Maybe you need to homeschool your kid. Maybe you need to send him to a private school, make some other sacrifices financially. Look, you're not going to have your kids for long, and if they're indoctrinated by the world, you're probably not going to have them at all. Make that investment in teaching your children. As the Scripture says, teach them the way that they should go. Uh, It is one of the greatest responsibilities we have as parents, and it is one of the most important things that we can undertake as Christian citizens for the next generation. Out of time. Again, text the word STAND to 67742. You want to stay in touch with us at 67742, the word STAND. Until next time, let me encourage you with the words of the Apostle Paul when he says, when you've done everything you can do and you've taken your stand, when you've prayed and you've prepared and you've taken that stand, well, just keep standing. Washington Watch with Tony Perkins is brought to you by Family Research Council and is entirely listener-supported. Portions of the show discussing candidates are brought to you by Family Research Council Action. For more information on anything you've heard today or to find out how you can partner with us in our ongoing efforts to promote faith, family, and freedom, visit TonyPerkins.com. Also, to leave a comment about Washington Watch, call our watch line at 1-866-372-7234. That's 1-866-372-7234.